0: Radio. As a journalist, there are some aspects of the job that are consistently and universally frustrating. Things that are essential to the work, but can sometimes feel like torture. Managing deadlines, coping with outdated technology, things like that that are annoying for everybody and somehow never change. Filing Freedom of Information Act requests feels like one of those problems. Something you have to do, but dread because of how complicated it is to file and how long it takes to get a response back. It can feel like sending a letter into a black hole. But Jason Leopold at Vice News has figured out how to make FOIA work for him, instead of the other way around. Leopold sends out several FOIA requests
1: a week and has broken some major stories with his findings. I am the journalist who forced the release of Hillary Clinton's emails, uh, and many people are not happy about that, including the State Department, uh, which has blamed me for their massive backlog. Uh, Some of my uh, other FOIA work, I uh, was able to get the um, Justice Department's white paper, which uh, essentially gave uh, the CIA the authority to kill a U.S. citizen abroad. Uh, In that case, it's Anwar al-Awlaki.
0: Jason is so persistent that a government agency Annoyed by his frequent requests and appeals, once called him a FOIA terrorist, a term he now uses with pride. Just recently, he won IRE's FOI award for his reporting on CIA spying and torture. In March, Jason gave a talk at the CAR conference about the tricks he uses when filing records requests with different government agencies. On this episode, we're sharing some audio from that session. Jason will be sharing tips writing effective requests that result in relatively speedy processing. I'm Aaron Pelish, and you're listening to the IRE Radio Podcast. One of the most important things you can do to improve your FOIA requests is to craft a solid template. Jason uses a set format for each request and makes his templates as specific as possible to make it as simple as possible for the government to process your request.
1: One thing that I've found over the years uh, in filing Freedom of Information Act requests, particularly with the federal government, uh, is that it's crucial for reporters to build a template, a very, uh, a, a template that describes exactly where you want these agencies to search. By law, uh, the federal agencies, they have to process your Freedom of Information Act request as long as you reasonably describe the records that you're seeking. So you can you know, send in a request and say, uh, and, and by the way, I've actually seen some of these requests, literally one sentence. I want the drone memo that was used to authorize the uh, targeted killing of Anwar al-Awlaki. Uh, and they would have to process that. Uh, the reason some requests take so long, and that's obviously as reporters, we need information in a, in a uh, timely manner, uh, is because reporters, uh, unfortunately, do not uh, reasonably describe some of those documents and are not informing some of these agencies where to search. But building a template is really in, is essentially just instructing these agencies where to search, uh, how to search, what you're looking for, and I've found that, you know, through the course of you know filing these requests, that it literally will cut down it, the response time and get you responsive records anywhere from you know three to six months. So every government agency has uh, what's called a system of record, uh, systems of record. And systems of record uh, are basically, uh, I think I may, oh, it's on the wrong screen, but you can do a Google search for it. For example, FBI systems of record. Uh, The Environmental Protection uh, uh, Agency systems of record. And that breaks down uh, within those agencies where... uh, where, where they are holding uh, certain databases uh, let's say you're looking for uh, emails on Volkswagen or you want some information about Volkswagen and the you know the issues with regard to emissions the EPA is a large organization obviously so just sending it to the EPA uh, would not necessarily get you the information you seek in a timely manner so they need to you know then figure out where those records are. You would actually speed up the process uh, quite a bit if you did that beforehand, and it can, honestly, it could save you up to three to four months in terms of a response time. For example, another, another agency is the CIA. Again, CIA has you know, big, big organization, uh, many different uh, offices within the CIA. They have an entertainment you know, division, Office of Legislative Affairs, the Office of the uh, Director, Deputy Director. Uh, they also have a separate counterterrorism division. So if I'm looking for, uh, and, and the inspector general, so if I'm looking for uh, records uh, that, has, that, that may have to do with uh, perhaps their you know, counterterrorism programs uh, uh, overseas, you know, I want to direct my request you know, to the counterterrorism division. Uh, and the re- again, the reason is because once you're, you file that FOIA, the FOIA analyst will take it. And they have to, if, if they, if if you're not telling them what to do, they have to figure it out. The FOIA analysts, all they want to do is get through the pile of requests, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that are on their desks, uh, and just push it through. So again, this is how to cut down on response time, and it's also uh, a way to help you build a template. So if you, If you start to get a better understanding of how the agencies work, um, of how their filing systems work, and it's all publicly available information, uh, it will be to your benefit, uh, and you can uh, obtain those records in, uh, in a timely manner. Jason
0: says an easy way to improve your FOIA template is to look through other people's FOIAs and see how they do it. You can do that by going through a catalog of the requests that each agency gets
1: most of the agencies, again, except for the FBI, uh, do you know, post their FOIA logs on, uh, on their website and the NSA. Uh, the NSA's FOIA logs are great because you get the FOIA logs and they're, the FOIA logs are redacted uh, <laughs> but, and heavily redacted. But um, what's great about the FOIA logs is that you can actually see what other people are asking for. And believe it or not, uh, it's not reporters that make up uh, the majority of the FOIA requests uh, that these government agencies receive. It's corporations, it's, you know, private individuals. Uh, so it's very interesting to see what, uh, you know, what other people are asking for. Obviously, if any of that, you know, was of interest, you can ask for the same exact records. You cite the case number. Um, since we're all reporters here, you know, I see what everyone else is doing. I see. You know, Jack Illum at the Associated Press asked for something, and I'm like, oh, I want to get that too. Um, but there's an honor system where it's like, okay, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so you can you you can see you know what everyone else is requesting, and also reading other requests. Uh, you know, I think that's very helpful in in terms of uh, uh, understanding you know how to uh, improve your own template. And that's really something, you know, to strive for, is improving that template. You know, you want to get to the point where you can cut down that, uh, that, that, that time in which you get the documents and, and the responses uh, that you're getting from the agencies. And if you can get it down to where, you know, within three months, perhaps you're getting something, three to six months, um, you know, that's, you know, that, that, that you're, you're doing well in that regard.
0: The other key to getting records back quickly is to ask for expedited processing. Jason says every journalist should do this every time, no matter what, because it's worth
1: trying to get your records as fast as possible. So you realize that the burden is upon the, you know, on the requester to prove that there is, uh, you know, a need for, you know, the information to release, to be released immediately. Uh, Each office is different with regard to uh, expedited processing, the easiest uh, office to uh, be granted expedited processing is the Justice Department, even though they suck at FOIA uh, and responding to FOIA, but it is the easiest. In fact, uh, that, that uh, document I mentioned earlier, which is the Justice Department's white paper, they granted me expedited processing for this, but they didn't give me that paper you know, for two years. So, so much for expedited processing. So it doesn't always, you know, work out the way you want it to. But I would always ask for expedited processing. In your request. try to figure out how you can make that case uh, for uh, uh, getting those documents quickly. Uh, What is the, you know, the pressing need? Uh, How would the public be harmed if this information were not out uh, immediately?
0: It always helps to understand how an agency searches its records. You can have a great FOIA template, send it in, and even get some records back from your request. But if you don't know how the agency stores its records, you could still be missing out on a treasure trove of documents. Take the FBI, for example.
1: The, the FBI is the worst agency uh, in the government when it comes to responding to FOIA. Uh, and usually what they'll say is, you know, we conducted a cross-reference search and we did not find any responsive records. Uh, anyone who files a request with the FBI, in your request, you should always state, um, uh, I'm sorry, the, the FBI will respond by saying they, they searched their central record system. And the FBI has 100 million records. Uh, so whenever you file a request with the FBI, you should always ask them to conduct a cross-reference search. Uh, That's a separate filing system. And an ELSUR, E-L-S-U-R, electronic surveillance uh, database search. And oftentimes, uh, the FBI, you know, will have documents in cross-reference files. Uh, For example, after Maya Angelou died, I filed a request to, you know, get her any records that the FBI may have had on her. Uh, They responded by saying, you know, we didn't find any records. So I appealed and said, you guys did not conduct a cross-reference search. And uh, they went back, they did a cross-reference search, and they gave me these cross-reference files, which were actually really fascinating because these these cross-reference files had to do with an investigation into um, the uh, uh, communist activities in the 60s. And there was Maya Angelou in this file, so... It, it really sort of helps to uh, uh, gain, get those documents and get that type of material because uh, it will really also help in, in terms of if you're, if you're reporting on a story uh, to gain a wider uh, knowledge of, uh, of how the FBI conducts its activities.
0: And if you think there's more out there, don't just settle for the first files an agency gives you.
1: I cannot stress enough how important it is to appeal every response that you get uh, from an agency, even if the agency turns over everything you want there may actually be more. Uh, I appeal everything in fact uh, yesterday I reported a story on uh, the way the Obama administration has actually ha- has actually been uh, uh, thwarting you know FOIA and opposing the Freedom of Information Act uh, and worked to scuttle congressional reforms to it. And a couple of years ago, there were rumors that the Federal Trade Commission was involved in, in this effort. Uh, so I filed a FOIA request with the Federal Trade Commission asking for you know, any and all records that uh, they may have uh, about uh, their work in uh, interfering. I didn't use the word interfering, but you know if they had anything like this. They sent about uh, uh, 30 pages, and I appealed it. And I said, oh, we found 900 more pages, uh, and uh, sure enough, you know it, it. Then took some time for them to, you know, to process that and send it, and it was uh, heavily redacted. Uh, but uh, again, you know, every time I appeal, they always end up finding more information. So uh, that that's really important, and you know, the word appeal. It sounds, uh, you know, is a legal word in a sense where you're. You, know, you feel like you may have to make a case. With any of these agencies, you don't have to, you know, uh, put in an argument in a, in a document that says, you know, I appeal this decision and, and here's why, and, and, and have this long sort of explanation. Simply say, I appeal the integrity of the search. Uh, uh, also, it's very important to appeal any and all redactions. Uh, uh, you know, ask them to take another look. You think these redactions are uh, are, are not justified. And that's all you, you simply need to say, and they'll go through it. And you will really be surprised um, by some of these responses that you get from these agencies. Uh, one, you know, they may call you on the phone and say, yeah, so, um, you know, uh, you're appealing this. Well, actually, what if, you know, can we work together on this? You know, uh They'll, they'll, they'll suddenly want to kind of uh, uh, butter up to you in a, in, in a way uh, because it, it means more work for them. So they may be willing to actually disclose more information without going through that process. And that's a, that's a, uh, a decision that would be up to you. Do you have a, a breaking news story? You need that info? Uh, you know, perhaps they'll, uh, uh, they'll be able to work with you on that.
0: Jason does a couple of things to make sure every FOIA request he sends out is as useful to him as possible. One of his strategies is to FOIA his own FOIAs.
1: I I actually call this the meta FOIA. And it is filing a FOIA for the processing notes to see how those government agencies are handling my FOIA request, uh, which is amazing. So it also is a way for you uh, to really gain a good understanding, um, a great understanding about how the FOIA process itself works. So you send in a request to a government agency, and what happens? Uh, Somebody's processing it, but you really don't know. You're sitting back. You're kind of waiting for a response. Well, there's a paper trail from the moment your request lands on, you know, an analyst's desk to the uh, moment in which they, you know, perhaps send you a letter and give you responsive records. And in between all of that, they're discussing your request. They may be discussing it with John Brennan, the head of the CIA. They may dis- be discussing it with, uh, you know, the Secretary of Defense. Uh, and so you get a, a good understanding about what's going on behind the scenes about your request. And, and in addition to that, the processing notes have names of databases that are undisclosed. So that becomes information that will be very valuable when you then file another request. The Office of Legal Counsel the Justice Department, for example, I found this through the processing notes, had a database called ISIS, which they've since changed. Um, uh, and I found that out through the, through the last request, it's no longer called ISIS. Uh, And uh, so, you know, asking, you know, for processing notes. And again, you're simply filing a request. Once you receive a letter um, from a government agency that says, we've received your request, here is your case number, you can wait about three to four weeks and, you know, file a request for the processing notes citing the case number. What's really important for anyone who covers national security, I've, I think those processing notes are, are hugely valuable. Uh, and the reason is because not a single government agency is willing to give up any records that have anything to do with uh, national security, uh, anything with regard to you know, the, the military. Uh, so there are discussions that reach very high levels within the, you know, within the administration, within the executive branch, uh, about, uh, uh, about your request. And decisions that are, uh, you know, that that they're trying to decide. Well, what should we do with this? Should we give them the records? How should we give them a glomar? You, got, you know what a glomar is, right? It cannot confirm or deny, uh, named after the glomar destroyer um, in the '70s. But uh, you know, you get to sort of be a fly in the wall in a sense where you can really understand uh, what these, um, you know, what what these agencies uh, are discussing. His other trick is to
0: send out a steady stream of FOIA's over a long period of time. This way, you're not just waiting on one or two requests that, given the current backlog, could take
1: months or years to get. One thing that I try to do uh, is I try to build a pipeline uh, of of uh, of getting requests out there. So I may see, you know, a news story. Uh, say it's in the Washington Post. Say it's uh, in in uh, you know the Associated Press is reporting a document or a memo, and uh, you know perhaps there's you know anonymous source that's you know that that's talking about it. Uh, those that, that serves as a tip to me to you know try and seek out that you know that info, uh, and I, I'm constantly looking at that and then filing these requests. Uh, in order to build a pipeline, because I realized that you know, there are massive backlogs at these agencies. And what happens is eventually they're gonna get to all of these requests. And it will eventually get to the point where you will get you know, a few you know, releases every week. Uh, it may be old news. Uh, perhaps it may not you know, uh, be worth it to you anymore. I always try to find a way to use that info. Uh, that it would be relevant. I, I think that's obviously, you know, up to the reporter to do that. Um, but even waiting, you know, number of number of years. Uh, sadly, I can't believe that like a number of years. Um, but it does take that long to you know to get uh, to get records. But if you build up a pipeline, you're going to get you know, releases on a regular basis. So obviously, you know, perhaps keep in mind uh, what would be, you know, I'm not sure if evergreen is the right word, but what would still be relevant. Obviously, issues related to surveillance. Uh, uh, Anything national security related, I think, would be, you know, if if you filed a request four or five years ago and you're getting it now um, is insane to begin with. But if you are, it's still relevant. If a federal agency does deny your request, there are some ways to push back that don't immediately involve filing a lawsuit. There's actually an office within the within the government called the Office of Government Information Services. OGIS. OGIS, uh, and they, there's an effort right now to to weaken them and and to keep this office sort of by the Justice Department uh, to to um, not empower them where they would be able to work on behalf of of requesters in in such a way that it would be to the benefit of requesters when uh, when they need mediation, but this is an office that provides mediation services uh, in lieu of a lawsuit uh, and i I have to tell you that it's not used often uh, as often as it should be. It does not cost anything uh, I've used this uh, their services uh, before. Suing, and they have, they've actually uh, been able to to get documents for me from uh, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, from uh, the EPA, uh, from the FCC of all places. So uh, it's, uh, they're waiting for that phone call. And every letter you get that says, you know, you have the, it will say if your request is denied, you may reach out to the Office of Government Information Services. So uh, this is you know, a very important office.
0: When Jason gave this talk in March, he said he had two dozen active lawsuits for records. That might sound pretty daunting, not to mention expensive. But Jason said suing the government is much less intimidating than it sounds.
1: There is a, a sort of a myth that it's going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars Uh, to file a lawsuit for the records that you need. Uh, And as somebody who currently has, you know, about two dozen, I can tell you that's just not the case. Uh, If you are looking for a highly classified document, uh, as I indicated, the Office of Legal Counsel's opinion on uh, targeted killing, yes, be prepared for a fight, and that's going to take many years. But... If there are certain FBI files on uh, uh, let's say shootings, then they' for some reason they're not giving up the information. Basically, what happens after you know filing a lawsuit is you kind of get go to the top of the pile uh, and you end up working with you know the government attorney and you come up with a production schedule. Uh, even if the, if, if the government agency is saying, well, we denied these these records, um uh because it's uh you know it's national security and you know there's a threat to national security in court they're going to have to you know sort of make that argument but oftentimes uh it, w- the reason that I that I you know go to court on 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 many of these records is simply because the agency is just dragging its feet and they're just not producing it in a timely fashion and literally after you know filing the lawsuit it uh Know, records are produced within three months, uh, so the costs are really minimal. I mean, four digits. Uh, so obviously, that's up to each individual newsroom and uh, and reporter. Uh, but it, it, it it's a sad reality about uh, about the Freedom of Information Act, and that it remains broken, imperfect, and that we're sort of left having to sort of litigate uh, uh, for for. Documents that are that belong to the public, uh, simply because an agency just you know doesn't want to process your request. That certainly was the case with the State Department and Hillary Clinton's emails. Uh, you know, filing requests years ago, asking for them, and not getting any response, and not understanding why, and then seeing how that sort of extended into every other part of the State Department. Uh, so uh, you know, while this case has, has, you know, at least in, on, the, on the FOIA part of it with the State Department has been going on for a year. The work that you know, the attorneys have h- had to do is, you know, it's 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 been extensive but not you know, a massive litigation where we're going back and forth and arguing. Uh, so, I, I just want to stress that the costs are minimal. Uh, they're not you know, uh, uh it, it, you're not spending six figures. Uh, and you have to pick and choose what you want to go after.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll have a link to the full length version of Jason Leopold's FOIA session in the show notes. If you're an IRE member, you can log in and download the whole thing. On our next episode, Amy Julia Harris from Reveal will talk about her investigation into unregulated religious daycares. Churches were extremely, extremely powerful in a lot of these places, and no one wanted to be perceived as being anti, anti-church or anti-religion. So um, there was some finessing and talking to them about, you know, how the story was going to be framed, and you know, we we're looking at sort of a government regulation thing rather than, you know. Attacking churches at large. Before we sign off, I want to take a second and thank all of you for your support of the IRE radio podcast. This is my last episode at IRE. In a couple of weeks, I'll be graduating and moving on to greener pastures. But since I started working for IRE last summer, I've grown so much as a journalist This was an incredibly formative year for me, and I feel genuinely lucky to have worked here. So I want to thank everyone at IRE who has made my time here so special. I also want to thank all the journalists who have taken the time to speak with us. Each of their stories was fascinating and moving, and I hope we were able to do them justice. And if you're still listening, I want to thank you, yes you, for supporting this show. We put a lot of work into this podcast because we care about helping journalists and telling their stories and we're thankful that you continue to listen. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher to stay up to date with all the latest episodes, and head on over to ire.org slash podcast to browse our archives. Sarah Hutchins is our editor. She taught me everything I know about investigative journalism and making podcasts, and she's by far the best editor I've ever had, and I'm going to miss working with her very much. That's it for this episode. From Columbia, Missouri, I'm Aaron Pelish. I.R.E. I.R.E. Radio. Podcast.
1: I Podcast.